Hello and welcome to this edition of Mike and Mark Talk School Law. Uh, the goal of our time together is to look at an uh, issue pertinent to educators related to school law and hopefully give my fellow educators a good understanding of this legal topic and help them to do their job effectively. My name is Mike Nitty. I'm the superintendent of the Ewing Schools, been an educator for 30 plus years. Now I defer to my friend and colleague, Mark, to introduce himself. Hey, Mike. My name is Mark Zittimer. I'm a partner with uh, Shane Price, Smith & King here in Storm Park, New Jersey. I've been practicing education law, labor, and employment law for about 25 plus years. Uh, represent uh, school districts throughout the state of New Jersey, public, private, um, and have been doing it for a long time and enjoy it quite a bit. Thank you. Mark and I go back a long time. And, you know, from my perspective, I always find my conversations with him to be very enlightening. And as he always likes to tell me, don't tell me what I know or don't know. He knows the law. Um, Mark, one of the things that we're navigating quite a bit now as educators is the issue of gender identity and school law and the legal rights of transgender students. I understand that there's some significant case law coming out. I was wondering if you would overview it uh, for all of us. Yeah, sure. So there was an interesting case that came out of uh, the federal courts in Virginia. It's called Grimm, G-R-I-M-M, versus uh, Gloucester County School Board. It's a case that uh, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, court right below the U.S. Supreme Court, issued a decision in May on. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, a background on the case. The case involved a student who's now 20 years old, by the way. Uh, the case has been winding its way through the courts for five years. These cases don't, don't move quickly, as you know. Um, a student by the name of Gavin Grimm. Gavin enters high school. Gavin, Gavin is transgender. So Gavin was born a girl uh, and identifies as a boy. And starting in his freshman year of high school, um, basically started living his life as, as a boy. Um, and um, the school was okay with him using the boys' room. Nobody really had much of an issue at, uh, of it until sophomore year rolls around. And apparently a lot of parents started complaining about the fact that Gavin was now using the, the boys' room, even though biologically Gavin was, was born a girl. And the school basically institutes a policy saying that um, Gavin is no longer able to use the, um, the, the boys' room anymore. And they actually uh, apparently set up a separate bathroom, which was kind of, I'll call it a neutral bathroom that any student could use. It wasn't boy or, or girl. And that was the bathroom essentially that they told Gavin that he had to, to use. Um, Gavin was embarrassed by this, felt like it was kind of him taking the walk of shame every time he had to use the restroom, um, became suicidal actually, uh, was suffering from urinary tract infections according to the court because he didn't want to use the bathroom and so forth. And ultimately Gavin and his parents sue claiming that this use of this alternative bathroom uh, was a violation of his rights under Title IX, Mike. And I'm sure you know Title IX, probably from the sports world, but Title IX is a federal law that says that no person should be deprived of educational benefits in any program, program receiving federal financial assistance, and you can't discriminate based on gender, essentially. So suit was brought under Title IX, case wakes, works its way all the way up to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the first Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals held that it was discriminatory in violation of Title IX for them not to allow a transgender male to use the transgender men's or boys room. 
and that it was discriminatory to say he had to use a, a separate bathroom in this particular case. Um, they felt that the elements of the uh, cause of action under Title IX had been satisfied. Was it a program receiving federal money? Yes, it was. Uh, did it was the, are the bathrooms part of a program of education? Bathrooms are part of a program of education. And then the third element was, uh, did the student suffer harm? Yes, the student suffered harm for the reasons that I just mentioned about the suicidal thoughts and uh, the urinary tract infections and so forth. So found that uh, the court found that it was discrimination under Title IX. And I thought it was an interesting quote at the end of the case that I wanted to read for you from the judges. And this was a 60-page decision, by the way. You can get it on, I'm sure if you Google Grimm versus Gloucester County, it'll come up pretty easily. But the court at the end of the case said, the proudest moments of the federal judiciary have been when we affirm the burgeoning values of our bright youth rather than preserve the prejudices of the past. How shallow a promise of equal protection that would not protect Grimm from the fantastical fears and unfounded prejudice of his adult community. And they went so far as to say, you know something? The kids didn't have an issue with him using the boys' room. It was the parents that had an issue with him using the boys' room. Um, and what's interesting about this case, Mike, and the, I thought it would be a good topic today, is this, the U.S. Supreme Court case refused to hear the case on appeal. So as you know, the U.S. Supreme Court has discretion as to whether to hear cases or not. They refused to take the case, which basically means this case in the federal arena is going to be kind of, I'll call it the law of the land. It's the settled law of the land on this topic, at least in, in terms of the Fourth Circuit goes. And one thing that I found very interesting from the case in your overview, Mark, is I have heard, you know, fellow educators, you know, when navigating transgender students say, we will give them, you know, their own bathroom. That's not acceptable and that's not right, correct? That's absolutely correct, Mike. It is not right. It is not acceptable. That's, that's what the court, I'm sorry, that's what the board in this particular case tried to do. And they said, no dice. It's a violation of Title IX. Probably would be a violation in New Jersey. As you know, we have the state law, the New Jersey law against discrimination. I think the same finding of discrimination would, would hold up if this case was brought in New Jersey. And this carries over to locker rooms as well, right? It's completely connected to gender identity, bathroom and locker room. Whenever student identifies with their gender, that is the bathroom and locker room that they have the complete legal right to use. Yes, that's true. Um, what were some of the arguments that the court said to, to uh, you know, to say, no, that's not good enough to just say, hey, that's your bathroom. Why is that not acceptable? They basically said that, that telling, telling somebody that they had to use a separate facility was discriminatory. Uh, you can't call something separate and then say that it's not discriminatory if you're making somebody else use something that they don't identify with. And... Uh, the board tried making that argument and, and it really went nowhere quickly. You know, the other thing I forgot to mention about the case is the student wanted his student records changed to reflect that he was a boy. He went so far as to get a court order uh, changing his names officially. The school still wouldn't recognize his name on his student records as, as being male. And that was another thing that the Fourth Circuit struck down saying, you know, you have to change the records to reflect what the student wants the records to be. I mean, we should maintain it. I know in New Jersey, we still have to maintain a separate file with the original um, gender uh, at birth. But if the student wants to be referred to by a girl's name or a boy's name or wants the records reflected as such, we have to honor that. How, you know, would you advise your school district clients to address parents who are 
not happy with either locker room or bathroom accommodation. Is there anything they could say to them other than, hey, this is the law, the law is clear, right? This child, and again, we're all about doing what's in the best interest of any child. This child has every legal right to use the bathroom or locker room to which they identify. I would say exactly what you just said. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think that we would um, probably be obligated to accommodate a student perhaps who wasn't comfortable using the same locker room as a transgender student. Maybe that student should be able to if they wanted to uh, change in the nurse's office or a unisex bathroom or something like that, you know, make those types of accommodations. I think that the, hopefully the locker rooms would be designed in any case in a way that the privacy rights of all students would be recognized either through partitions or, or whatever whatever it is so that so that everybody has their privacy that needs to be respected no doubt about it okay but i think the legal message is very clear to us educators is that you know when we see the emerging case law and we see the existing statutory law right any student has the absolute right to use a bathroom or locker room in which they identify. Yes, that's the holding uh, out of this uh, Court of Appeals. I know that's the law in New Jersey. The New Jersey Department of Ed, as you know, came down with their transgender guidance, and it goes so far as to even talk about athletics, that if a student identifies as a male, that student must be permitted to participate on the male sports. Um, you can't flip-flop back and forth, though, is yeah. what the court's saying, what the, the guidance says. In other words, you can't be on the girls' basketball team and the boys' tennis team. You have yeah. to pick one or the other. No, that's in New Jersey, right, Mark? In New Jersey, we Jersey. have our current laws that student can participate in any sport in which they identify. That's so, right. You know, if you have a uh, – whatever, whatever they want to play correlated to their gender identity is a sport that they can play. That's right. I think that's going to be a, an interesting area down the line, Mike, that we're going to have to keep an eye on because um, I could see arguments being made that somebody, for instance, that was born male, that's now perhaps competing on a, a, a girls track team, for instance, the argument is maybe that person genetically, biologically has an advantage. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. I don't think this is the end of the issue, Mike. I think we're going to see litigation for many years to come, not only in schools, but in collegiate uh, athletics, uh, perhaps even something as you know, significant as the Olympics. Uh, now, the states, will each state, can, is it possible that they can create their own law regarding athletic uh, participation in gender identity? Or is that something which, even if a state makes a law, could end up in the hands of the Supreme Court? It still could end up in the hands of the Supreme Court. States have their own anti-discrimination laws, anti-discrimination policies, guidance on how they deal with transgender issues. Mm -hmm. um, it's also dealt with at the federal level, as we talked about under Title IX. But um, you know, anybody can file uh, litigation and appeal it uh, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court doesn't have to take the case. They only take cases of significant you know, national importance involving um, presumably constitutional issues. They take cases when there's a split in the federal courts on how to deal with an issue to try to settle the issue once and for all. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a matter of time, I think, before a transgender case gets to the U.S. Supreme Court. Many were disappointed this case didn't get heard by the U.S. Supreme Court, but maybe that sends a message about right now how the current court feels about the issue, too. Okay. Uh, so uh, give us a wrap-up here, your 30-second uh, advice to all of us educators. Uh, with regard to our school operations and gender identity? 
Um, I think schools have to um, uh, respect and honor the wishes of the transgender students to be uh, identified and treated with the gender that they identify with, whether it's classroom practices, whether it's extracurriculars, whether it's uses of restrooms, locker rooms, and so forth. That student has the right to use the facilities and participate in those programs with which they identify with as to their gender. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, thanks Thank you. anyone for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time on Mike and Mark Talk School Law. Thanks, Mike.